Welcome to this edition of our Top 10 Risks series. In this series, we focus on the key disputes risks currently facing our asset management clients. My name's Adam Brown, and I'm a partner in the litigation and arbitration team here at Simmons & Simmons. And today I'm joined by Chloe Lim and Davina Shah, who are both supervising associates in the team with me. Today, we will be discussing the regulatory and litigation risks posed by conflicts of interest. And there are several reasons why we selected that topic as one of our top risks for asset management clients. Firstly, it's a risk that can never be entirely eliminated, only carefully identified and managed. Secondly, there's a consistent theme over time of conflicts of interests being in the background of litigation cases that we see coming through the courts. And then thirdly, there's been a lot of M&A activity and consolidation in the sector in the past 12 or 18 months. And in those circumstances, we think it's really important for asset managers to revisit and update and reconsider their conflicts of management, uh, conflicts of interest management processes in order that they kept pace with their evolving organisation. So in this session, we'll discuss current trends that we're seeing in the asset management sector and how some of the uh, frequently occurring situations can be managed and the risks mitigated. I'm going to hand over to Chloe, who will be chairing the conversation and asking some questions of myself and Davina. So over to you, Chloe. Thanks very much, Adam. Now, before we go into particular types of conflict scenarios, Davina, could you please talk us through how the FCA is currently looking at this issue? Absolutely. The FCA is actively looking at conflicts as an issue. The FCA did a piece of work focused on authorised fund management firms and published a report in June this year in which it found that there were failings. Some managers were unable to show evidence that they had identified relevant conflicts of interest, despite some appearing obvious. The FCA has said that this will remain an area of focus. More broadly, the FCA's focus on firm culture is ongoing. The FCA may seek to hold firms to account for failures in conflicts management as part of that focus. And are there any particularly hot topics arising from the FCA's recent casework? We know from the FCA's work on funds managed by Woodford that the FCA is taking an interest in whether authorised corporate directors are managing the conflict between their duty to oversee the fund on the one hand, which may involve challenging the manager, and on the other hand, their desire to avoid loss of revenue if the manager replaces them. Thank you. That's really useful in setting the regulatory backdrop. I'd like to first turn to possible conflict issues arising in a manager and fund context. Adam, what hot topics do we detect in the client inquiries we have received recently? Thanks, Chloe. I think um, one particularly hot topic that we're uh, receiving inquiries about a great deal is class action participation. So as listeners will probably know, in the UK, Class actions are generally an opt-in regime where claimants have to actively choose to participate in the claim. And this can give rise to conflict issues if the fund is invited to join a claim against a target company 
um, that might be a client or a um, a business with whom the manager has uh, a outside relationship. So invitations to opt into class actions should ideally be subject to consideration through the application of a consistent policy. And that's something that we've been assisting a number of clients with. So although policies can certainly allow for factors to be weighed in the balance such that a case-by-case approach can always be taken, a policy will always allow for a degree of um, consistency and also for any conflict of interest arising in the particular situation to be identified and managed through the process. That is indeed a topic we are seeing more and more clients grapple with. Adam, are there any other hot topics coming through from recently decided cases in the courts? Sure. So there's there's a number of cases uh, and probably not quite enough time today to delve into any of them in particular detail. But a bit of a theme there is where managers have placed money with investment into investment opportunities that are being operated or run by their associates or connected parties. Um, And this serves as a reminder, really, that investment managers need to be very careful when they have a financial interest that is different to that of the funds that they are managing. Um, and, And also to remember that in those situations, proper disclosure is certainly necessary, but not always sufficient to manage the conflict. And the manager needs to be satisfied that the investment decision it's making is in the best interests of the principal and not simply uh, a, a disclosure given somewhere in um, in a long document to the effect that there could be a conflict of interest at play. Now, obviously, the past 18 months has been very unusual. And unsurprisingly, there has been a lot of volatility in the market. Adam, have you seen that as a trigger to particular issues around conflicts of interest? Sure. So one theme coming through as a result of that market volatility are issues around asset valuation. So those problems can be aggravated if the fund's assets are illiquid or distressed or if their value is uh, difficult to, you know, difficult to establish from an independent data source. And this has been a particular problem during recent market volatility. Uh, There can be uh, a particular tension and conflict here if the manager's remuneration is linked to performance of the fund, which is commonly the case, and where the manager is also involved in the process of asset valuation. And that becomes particularly acute if performance fees have certain triggers or thresholds above which they are um, uh, applicable. And conflicts of issues, uh, conflicts of interest issues arising in that situation is something that we've been assisting a client with on a live case. Uh, One final sort of factor, I guess, to, to wrap in there is that where you are grappling with difficult valuation issues, it's also important to consider the potential conflicts as between investors who are looking to redeem from the fund and those that are looking to remain invested in order to ensure that their interests are not um, allowed to come into conflict without that being very carefully managed. That's obviously a very tricky um, 
area indeed, Adam. What what steps are you seeing our clients take to manage those conflicts around valuation? Yeah, sure. So staying with the valuation uh, uh, example, obviously having a policy specifically around methods of valuation for assets will be important and where appropriate involving a third party who's independent in the exercise will always be a very valuable source of defence to any uh, assertion that there's been um, an inappropriate valuation given under a conflict of interest by the manager. Um, But particular governance oversight is also something that's quite important to think about in those circumstances um, and will, again, help with management of the process. And whilst on that theme of mitigation, what practical steps are we seeing managers take to manage their conflicts positions? Sure. So sort of broadening out, I guess, uh, beyond pure valuation. Um, Just a few points of reminder, uh, again, not time to be sort of exhaustive on it, but the starting point will always be a clear policy that identifies relevant conflicts, provides guidance on how they're to be managed and provides clear routes for escalation of issues internally. Overlaying on that policy, it will also be important to provide training to staff so that you ensure that they understand how it operates in practice and maintaining registers so that you um, have an audit trail for all of the potential conflicts that have been um, identified and then managed. You need to think about governance clearly and uh, conflicts committees who can meet and consider particular issues will always be uh, an effective sort of tool towards proper oversight. And that's an area where non-executive directors really should be involved in the process. Um, Two final points to to sort of note there. Um, Think about the contracts that you have with any sort of agents who are acting on your behalf and, and make sure that they are taking appropriate steps to manage the conflicts involved. And also, almost goes without saying, but consider very carefully the investor disclosures that are being made to ensure that they are fully appraised and can make an informed decision about any conflict issue. Thanks very much. It certainly makes sense to periodically revisit these policies and monitor the effectiveness of their implementation. Um, I would like to now move on to look at situations where the conflict is between two different clients of the manager, which have conflicting interests. Davina, could you please give an example of how such conflicts might arise? Thanks, Chloe. Um, sure. Well, a classic example is probably trade allocation, um, which is best demonstrated by the FCA's final notice in respect of Aviva, published back in 2015, but it's of continuing relevance today. Uh, in that case, Aviva's fixed income business managed through the same employees funds that pay differing levels of performance fees. A proportion of the performance fees is paid to traders in the fixed income area who manage those funds. And this type of incentive structure created conflicts of interest. The traders had an incentive to favour one fund over another. And that example, as I said, remains highly relevant today. Similar issues could arise in the sphere of distressed debt portfolio management, which we're seeing a lot of at at present. The degree of distress affecting a 
particular portfolio company can be a matter of subjective judgment and managers need to avoid being influenced by its own incentives or fee structures when allocating investments between funds. Yes, and one of the interesting things about the Aviva example is how generally applicable it is. It could arise across all manner of asset classes. And the problem, in a sense, was that two funds should have been, but weren't invested equally in the same opportunity. Is there a risk of conflict in the situation where an investment opportunity is unique? Absolutely. Um, I think there is. There's a conflict where you have a unique investment that could, in theory, be allocated towards one of several funds under a firm's management. This particularly arises in the private equity context, where the investment in question is a unique portfolio company, and the manager's aim is to take 100% ownership within a single fund, then manage that company towards an exit some years later, And firms will need policies in place to manage those situations carefully. Now, another hot topic is conflict of personal interest. Davina, what have we been seeing recently in terms of issues around the management of conflicts between directors' personal interests and their duties to their company? Um, Well, to uh, take you to the starting point, Um, That's the statutory duty on directors not to place themselves in a position where their interests, direct or indirect, conflicted or or might conflict with their duties or interests of the company. And a classic example is that the director must make a business opportunity available to the company if it is in the company's line of business. That's even the case where the opportunity is received by the director in his private capacity We've been seeing recently some cases arise in the context of private equity investments where business opportunities are sometimes unique and might be presented to the managers, directors in a personal or social context. Another recent theme which clients uh, has been clients, um, directors wearing multiple hats and failures to manage the resulting conflicts. And listeners will be familiar with the Angela's Burn case from 2017, which remains a live issue even today. Great. Now, finally, we ought to flag the conflict issues arising from the involvement of intermediaries, which we frequently see as a risk area. Adam, are you still seeing that as a theme in recent court cases? Uh, Yes, very much so. Um, Time and again, cases come before the courts in which intermediaries are accused of breaching fiduciary duties to their principles in an investment management context. So, you know, thinking of a very prominent and familiar example, that of UBS and KWL, in which UBS's global asset management business retained an intermediary to introduce its clients to transactions in return for undisclosed fees. And the intermediary made those introductions regardless, really, of its client's interests. Now, that was a clear conflict of interest um, that caused the asset manager to be um, engaged in a, in a long-running litigation in which allegations were, were made even that the, um, the asset manager should be responsible for bribes paid by the agent, of which it was unaware. Now, now, now that's a very prominent and um, uh, sort of well-known case, but there have been others coming through the courts recently on a not dissimilar 
theme. One is Barclay Square Holdings and Lancer Property Asset Management, in which the agent um, acted for the Abu Dhabi government in connection with large UK commercial property investments and was accused of receiving payments without the informed consent of the principal. And we're currently acting on a case with similar allegations relating to an intermediary's um, involvement and, and fiduciary duties. So there, there's quite a bit, and it, this repeatedly comes back before the courts as an issue and therefore really should be a risk that um, is, is high up uh, a manager's agenda where intermediaries are involved and the importance of heightened um, compliance due diligence in those circumstances. Great. Thank you very much, Adam. So to wrap up, conflicts of interest are always high on the regulatory agenda, and we expect this will continue to be the case given the number of high profile incidents that have occurred in this space. The recent cases also demonstrate the litigation risk that arises in conflict scenarios. There has been a lot of M&A activity and consolidation in the asset management sector. And so it is important to update conflicts management policies in those circumstances. And that is something that our team can help with. Conflicts remains a key risk for investment managers, hence its inclusion in these series. As Adam has mentioned, this is part of our video series on risk issues from an asset management perspective. So please do watch out for our other videos and get in touch if there's anything you would like to discuss with our team.